Bible to Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. Okay. The scripture said, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he, that's Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Everybody said, praise the Lord. So this morning, I would like to try to teach to you the first and great commandment. You might want to think like being in, in kindergarten and you learn your ABCs to learn the letters of the alphabet. Now, we don't have it so bad here in our country because there's 26 letters to learn, A through Z. That's not so bad. If you were to go to China, well, there's 3,300. That's a whole lot more to learn. So uh, be thankful. But what I really want to say to you is that there are many people that are sitting in different places today, and they will not be taught the first and great commandment, not with revelation, not with understanding, not getting the, the understanding open to what God is saying. I had somebody ask me this morning uh, about a particular thing in the Bible, and I told them that you have to get out of the natural mind and you have to get in the spiritual mind. If you look at things that are given in vision, whether night or natural vision from God, and you have to remember that he's trying to convey something to us here, and we have a tendency to think natural instead of seeing it from God's point of view, seeing it in a spiritual manner. In other words, we have our way of looking at things, and then there's what we like to call the right way. And that's looking at it from God's point of view, God's way. All right? So we have to, that's one reason, not the only reason, but that's certainly one major reason why we need to be born again of water and of the Spirit. And Jesus said, don't marvel about me telling you you need to do that. So we have to get an experience that is a spiritual experience so that we can become a spiritual person. And you want to keep in mind that in doing that, then we God can begin to communicate with us on a level that we will begin to see things from His point of view. He is the lawgiver. He is the creator. And we want to understand what it is that He's saying, uh, how He is, and what he is, and the way he does things. So the first and great commandment, and one came and asked him, which is the first commandment of all? The next verse, Mark 12 and 29, Jesus answered him, the first. Now this is, this is the first, telling you the first. He is the alpha. <laughs> he is the first, okay? And so this is the first telling us, that the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel. Now, in this New Testament time in which we are living, 
the church is referred to as the Israel of God. So he's telling you, church, congregation, he's telling you the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Okay? So let's remember that God, he is the author. Okay? He is the alpha. He is the author. He is the lawgiver. He is all of these things. And he's telling you that the Lord, our God, is one Lord, just one. Might want to keep that in mind. Genesis 1 and 1 tells you in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. didn't say gods. It said God. Genesis 1 and 1. Talking to you really about some ABCs here, that which is very basic, that which will be is taught every Sunday to the smallest children. <coughs> Excuse me, that they would understand that there is but one God. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. John 4 and 24. God is a spirit. Here comes your spiritual mind now that needs to come into play. Because God is not an old man with long white hair and a white fuzzy beard. You might have him confused with that fantasy called Santa Claus. Okay? Or Father Time. There's all kinds of things that advertising people have come up with. Commercial minded people have come up with. And they're natural minded people and they're doing their job and their business and that's fine. But let's not get that confused with God. He is not an old man. He's not hobbling around on a cane somewhere. And that would be a very natural perception. It would also be a very wrong way of looking at it. The Bible is telling you very plainly that God is a spirit. Genesis, when it said in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, it also tells you that the earth was without form and that it was void or empty and that darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then it tells you that the Spirit of God moved. The Spirit, the Spirit, God is a Spirit. Hence, He is invisible. The Bible tells you that no man hath seen God at any time, neither can see Him. He's invisible. He's a spirit. Okay? Now God can show what he wants to show of himself. But the Bible is telling you overall emphatically that he is a spirit and he is therefore invisible. Talks about the invisible things of God also. And telling you that you cannot see him in that form. So what you want to remember, once again, is not to allow natural concepts to overtake your thinking. And where you would think of your grandfather, you might then start equating that with God, and that would be wrong. Okay? God is a spirit. <coughs> your, um, your grandfather's not. Okay. John 1 and 1. This is in your New Testament. John 1 and 1 said in the beginning, now I'm 
condensing this for you, staying with subject matter to help you to focus on this subject matter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? You want to get that straight in your mind. Once again, you're looking at something that is very singular. You're not reading about anything plural here or more than one. You're reading about one. Okay? In the beginning was the Word. Notice it didn't say the Son or the flesh. Not yet did it say flesh or Son. It said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? You're going to have to pray for my voice this morning. <clears throat> John 1 and 14 then said, And the Word, which you've already been told is God, was made flesh. Made flesh. So we have spirit. God is a spirit, invisible. And now we have him showing himself visibly in the flesh. The flesh, your Bible teaches, God spoke the word over a willing girl and by just as he said when his spirit moved in Genesis 1 and he said let there be light and there was light because he spoke it. So he spoke the word and that which was conceived in Mary the Bible said was of his Holy Spirit. Okay? There was nothing physical or natural this is a supernatural uh, happening, and it's an account of it. It's telling you. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. That Word was God. And that Word that was God was made flesh because he spoke that Word over Mary, and that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay. So she brings forth the visible. She brings forth the flesh. This little babe who was born king, who the devil, according to Revelation, tried to destroy right away. Okay, right away. And so he began to rise up through the ruler of the land at that time who was uh, insecure. He had a real bad case of insecurity. When he heard that him who was born king, then he became exceedingly nervous. And when the wise men had come, and they said that they're looking for him, and they begin to inquire through the scriptures, where is he who was born king? We have seen his star in the east, and we've come a great way, and we've come bringing gifts. We've come to worship him. Well, Herod got very nervous. And so as time went on, he concocted a plan, which really he didn't. The old devil, the dragon, did through him, and he decided that he was going to kill all the little baby boys so that he was sure, just throw out the net, sweep them all in, kill them all, and surely we'll get this one who's born king. But of course, Joseph and Mary, Joseph as was supposed being his father, but that was not true, was it? That's just what people thought because people were thinking naturally but his father was the spirit. The spirit is what gave birth to that, spoke that flesh into existence. And so because 
in that flesh was going to dwell and did dwell the fullness of God or his spirit and his power, his deity and his authority. You must always remember that the key to understanding the first and great commandment in New Testament life is for you to understand that God did not suddenly morph from one to three. He did not do that. God is one. First commandment, he's telling you that. First and great commandment, he's telling you that. Okay? So that did not change. What happened, and what is very simple if you'll listen to it and think spiritually, is that we have spirit come in flesh. The word that was God, that is the spirit, was made flesh. Okay? And so in that flesh, if you will now follow here with 1 Timothy 3.16. And uh, I'm going to give this to you right from the Bible. You feel welcome to look it up also and read it. I encourage you to read it. I give you a portion here, again, to focus your mind on what I would like to get across to you, what we need to get across to you in this lesson. On your lesson sheet, 1 Timothy 3.16 said that God didn't say God's, okay, nothing plural. It said God was manifest. That means clearly seen, okay? God was clearly seen in the flesh, okay? God was manifest in the flesh. And I have already told you that's the visible part. God's a spirit. You can't see that. But God arranged for you to be able to see what he produced, the flesh. Okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. So God was clearly seen in the flesh. Now 1 Timothy 3.16 in its fullness here and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. Well I'm going to give to you a mystery that you can understand if you will get spiritual in your thinking. You just want to insist in your mind, your heart, that God is three or ten or 110 and that he's an old man hopping around somewhere trying to make it with his cane, you know, then that's your natural mind. It is not what the Bible teaches. And if you want to persist in that stubbornly, that is your choice as a person who has free will. But you will give account for your choices that you make with your free will. You will give an account. Oh, you will give account to God. Not to God's, but to God. So, I suggest that we obey the Bible and believe the Bible and ask God to open our understanding to His way and to what truth is according to Him. And that's the only truth that really matters truth according to God. So, 1 Timothy 3.16 tells you without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Once again, a mystery that you can understand. God wants you to understand. Just like a child that comes to uh, Brother just like a child that comes to Sunday school or comes to, let's just say kindergarten. And that child has not, um, we had a little girl that, that has started at the academy and <clears throat> she did not know anything. 
they did not teach her anything in um, preschool or daycare. She must have not gone to Sister Josephine because Sister Josephine made sure that they learned these things. So it helps us when they get to us. But um, this little girl didn't know anything. She didn't know her colors. She didn't know her numbers. She didn't know her ABC. She didn't know anything. But um, that wasn't a lack of intelligence. She has picked up everything very quickly. But my point is that first day to her was a great mystery because A, what is A? You know, all of these different things were new. I had a um, <coughs> sister McCoy taught kindergarten here in the Glades for over 25 years. And uh, she would tell us about children that would come. And they had never seen a coloring book. They'd never had a crayon. They didn't have any of these basics taught to them. And so that first day was a great big exp exploration. They were learning and exploring and all these new concepts and all these new things. And you wouldn't want <coughs> a child to become a teenager or go into adult life 20 and 21 years old and up and not know these basic things. You would not want that to happen to a child. You want them to get these things early and grow up in them, have these, these truths of the alphabet, shall we say. Well, there are many people all over the world who do not know the first and great commandment. They do not have their understanding open to that. These people think that there are three gods, at least. Some of them believe more. But they believe there's three gods uh, in what is inaccurately referred to as the Christian world. I'm going to tell you, I'm very careful about that terminology, Christian or Christendom or Christianity, because the enemy has used that, and he has twisted things and watered things down and inserted so many things that it doesn't resemble at all what Jesus gave birth to in this, as your New Testament describes it. They will teach you that there is a trinity. Meaning that there are, somebody asked me the other day, wouldn't that mean tri, triune or trinity? Wouldn't that mean three? Yeah, T-R-I, like tricycle, that's going to mean three. And they, in their natural mind, the Bible said in 1 John chapter 2, and right around verse 19, I believe, said that they went out from us because they were not of us. What he was telling the church is that there were people that were at one time a part of the body of Christ, that which Jesus started in the beginning, in the original, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, moving on through that history of the church, and that they left and they turned their back. They had too many things in them, in their heart, that they never got it out. They were filled with philosophy and rudiments of the world. And they left, and they went to another country, not Jerusalem in Israel, but they went to another country. They went to a city called Rome, and as we laughingly say, Italy. And uh, they got with the emperor, the ruler. Now, Rome was the ruling power of the world, and that's why you had old Mr. Herod over there in Israel and different ones. They were the governors. Rome had sent them and positioned them there as the rulers of the known world where they conquered 
And so now these folks leave the church in Jerusalem. They leave the teachings that Jesus gave to the apostles, and the apostles were giving to everybody everywhere. And they leave and they go to Rome. And over a period of time, they begin to teach and confederate their teachings into a church, shall we call it, a congregation. But these were not people who were believing what Jesus and the apostles taught. As a matter of fact, they were going opposite it. And the church that Jesus started was reaching out to everybody and, and going into all different known parts of the world and teaching and preaching first and great commandments. That you should hear that there's one God. That you should not be bowing down to stick and stone. That you should not be involved with things that are what's called polytheism or many gods, but that you should believe in monotheism, which is one God. And so these people went to Rome and in forming their own ideas and their own religion, their own denomination, and they hooked up with the emperor who was the ruling power of the world so that they would have the, the authority of the government of that time behind them. So they were the emperor's private, personal religion. And it grew from there. And they said, what are we going to do about these one God people? What are we going to do about them and how they are going out everywhere and teaching these teachings? We, we don't believe that. And so they had a council. They met together. And they begin to take up the question here. And so they came up with a trinity. And they said, we'll tell them that there's three persons. Now, nobody was taking any thought that this isn't in the writings that would became known, become known as the Bible. Nobody took any thought about that. Because all, you know, Satan has a way of deceiving and blinding the mind. That's what your Bible says. Blinds the mind. And he even blinded, in blinding their minds to the fact that there's one God, and they were blinded to that, and they begin to teach there was more than one God, they also begin to use all kinds of terminologies that are not in the Scripture. They called it a trinity. That's nowhere in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. They explained it by saying there's three persons. Well, the word persons is not in the Bible pertaining to God at all. They begin to say that they were three separate. The Bible doesn't teach that. That there was three distinct. The Bible doesn't teach that. All these words, all these terms, not in the Scripture. Okay? Co-eternal, co-equal, co-existent. None of it in the Bible. Okay? And somehow, in trying to tell everybody that there was three, they try to turn around and say, but there's only one. Well, one man was asked, by one of our men, said, um, what's the difference between believing in one God and believing in the Trinity? And he said, well, one God, this was a false preacher, but this is what he answered. He said, one God, he said, you can explain it. He said, the Trinity, you can't. You can't explain it. And yet that's what he believed. And that's, he believed that because that's what the majority of the so-called Christian world believed, and he wanted to be able to go and preach to everybody. 
and he wanted to be accepted. And that's where your Bible teaches that's your reward then. If that's all you want, that's all you're going to get is the praises of men. The pat on the back, the money, the position, all of that. That's what you want. That's your reward. But that's where it's going to end in this life at your death. That will all be over with. You might want to lift up your eyes and start thinking spiritually, start thinking eternally, and start believing what your Bible tells you. Here, again, 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, there is no arguing that the mystery of God is great. Not arguing with you about that. There is no argument because God is great, okay? And it is a, a wonderful and deep concept. And But you can understand this mystery if you want to. If you ask God to open your understanding to it, then God will do that. If you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, then when you, you will understand that God is one. And he has many titles, many titles. He is the king of kings. That means he wears all the crowns, wears all the hats. But your Bible teaches that he gave his name, which is above every name above everything, and that name is Jesus Christ. He gave that name. He said, he sent his angels, his messenger, and dispatched him and told them, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For you to understand that the Bible said right here, and I've had people read this and just glaze over and just Go on, like they never saw it, never read it, wasn't told to them. It's up to you to be honest in your heart, okay, to place the seat of your thoughts, your intellect, and your emotions. It's up to you to rein in your emotions and not get all mad and bent out of shape. I've had people say that they believe in one God, so you look at them and you say, oh, so you don't believe in the, in the, Trinitarian, the Trinity, the Trinitarian and then they get mad. And they can't handle it. They can't handle it that the truth is saying one God. That the truth is saying the Trinity's not in the Bible. That that's a man-made concept fueled by the enemy to confuse you and get people not to believe in one God. Once you leave one God, you're in idolatry. And you know, that's a major sin. <laughs> you don't want to be an idolater, okay? So here, let me go on. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, if you're doubting anything, you might want to just open your Bible right now to 1 Timothy 3.16 and just read along with me, okay? That's why I believe it, because it's in the Bible. God was manifest in the flesh. That means God was clearly seen in the flesh. And that brings you back to, on your lesson, uh, John 1 and 1 and 1 and 14. That the Word was God was made flesh. God was manifest or clearly seen in the flesh. Then it said He was justified in the Spirit. That means, oh, we know that you're of God because man, no man could do the things that you're doing except God or the Spirit be with him. 
stood right in front of them. He was not just another man. He was not just one of the old prophets risen up. He was God come in the flesh. And that's why your Bible said that he, God, alone, treadeth upon the waves of the sea. That's why Jesus walked on the water to them. Okay? And many, many other scriptures and many, many other reasons. But notice it said he was justified in the spirit. All the miraculous things that he did justified him. Didn't he say it? Uh, you remember reading that he said, if you don't believe me, the flesh that you're looking at, Jesus was telling them, if you don't believe me, he said, well, then believe me for my work's sake. Because the flesh ain't doing it. It's the spirit in this flesh that's opening the blind eyes and raising the dead and unstopping the, the ears that can't hear and loosing the string of the mute tongue and many other such things. Okay? So he said he was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached. He preached unto the Gentiles. Okay? Now who else could this be describing? And he was believed on in the world and he was received up into glory. Who else could we be talking about? Well, the scriptures say we were talking about God. So we're talking about God who showed himself clearly in the flesh. And we know his name, don't we? His name is Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. That's right. Colossians 2 and 16 in your Bible. Two, I'm sorry, 2 and 6 in your Bible. 2 and 6. Speak, and I wrote this in this way. Speaking of, quote, unquote, Christ Jesus the Lord. I, I'm only doing this, again, you, you're welcome to read the whole verse. I'm trying to focus your attention on the subject matter and not let it get confusing to you. Okay? So, you know, if we're talking about the ABCs, then we're not going to talk about the vowels right now. We'll get to that later. We'll focus on the vowels when it's time for the vowels. But right now, we're focusing on the first and great commandment. But when there's other subjects to talk about, we'll talk about them another time. But this morning, we're on the first and great commandment. And speaking of Christ Jesus the Lord in Colossians 2 and 6, Colossians 2 and 9 told you, for in him, that means for in Christ Jesus the Lord. That's why I did that so you'd understand who the writer was talking about when he said this. For in him, Christ Jesus the Lord, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, that means the very God, bodily. Bodily. Brings you back to God was manifest in the flesh. Brings you back to the Word was made flesh. God was made flesh. The invisible showed himself visibly, the same one God. Everybody said praise the Lord. An extremely important scripture to help you in understanding. This is found in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And my secretary was kind enough to put this in script for you to hopefully draw your attention to it and make it special for you. Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born. This was a prophecy, a foretelling. For unto us a child is born. 
Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Everybody said Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, you won't tell me his name? Thank you. There you go. That wasn't so hard, was it? Now, just don't let anybody, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, double first cousin, twice removed on the other side, don't let them confuse you. Now, the first thing, I, you want, it said in him dwelled all the fullness of the very God bodily. The fullness. The Bible tells you that the Spirit was not given to him by measure. He had the fullness. Okay? He was God come in the flesh. The flesh would get hungry. The flesh would get thirsty. The flesh would get tired, fall asleep in the back of the boat. Okay? But the spirit that dwelled within him to the fullness. So you have deity and you have humanity. God was manifest. Deity clearly shown in the flesh, in the human side. Okay? So that he could come in the flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. So that he could be a high priest that could be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, our challenges, our difficulties, our problems. He could relate because he was tempted in all points just like we are. Yet he was without sin because he had the fullness. He didn't have the spirit by measure. You and I get the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have the spirit by measure. Okay? And he was, because of that flesh, he was our example. He became an example to us. We are to follow his steps. And in being an example to us, then you want to catch the point here that he became an example to us in prayer, how to pray. Okay? He became an example to us of having faith. Increase our faith, Jesus. Okay? And so on and so forth. So consequently, they saw him pray. And, of course, we always have these very scholarly people, these people who just know so much. Well, if there's only one God and he's God, then who's he praying to? What did he mean when he said, Father, I'm going to pray. Father, please help me. Help my voice right now. Okay? Now, who am I praying to? I'm praying to Jesus. Because it just told me he's the everlasting Father. I'm praying to him in that name because that's the name that's above every name. Okay? <clears throat> I have the Spirit by measure granted. So I am not God, and you're not going to then accuse me of praying to myself. But you must remember that he had that humanity to deal with. And he had to give us an example of how to do things. That's why, ding, 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 God came in the flesh. 
so he could show us how to do it. At least one reason. He also, because that flesh was a prepared body, because that flesh is known as the Lamb of the Spirit, provided by the Spirit to give its life, its flesh, on the cross so that y'all could be saved make a way for us. Okay? The key to it is remembering spirit in flesh. Spirit in flesh. Now, who was the flesh praying to? He was praying to the spirit. Okay? He wasn't turning inward. You know, that's silly. He was praying to the spirit. He's giving an example. And the time would come when just like you shuck corn, Time would come when he would shuck that body. It would be gone. And that it would then come up on the third day because the same spirit that was in it to the fullness had withdrawn from it. Hence, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Okay? The spirit is leaving the body. It's going to die. All right? But three days later, the same spirit re-entered that body. And he knew that. He was given that, that flesh, that fleshly mind, natural mind, was given that insight because he said, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to raise it up again. So the spirit withdrew, then the spirit re-entered three days later. And upon so doing, that body was glorified, became the first fruits of them that sleep, and became an example of what it's going to be like when the first resurrection takes place. It's known as the rapture to some people. The first resurrection. So your body will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay? And a lot of us are going to be real glad about that. Then you're going to step on the scale and always weigh the perfect weight. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's stand together. The young people are coming in. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. I would take questions, and if you don't give me any, then I'll just figure you all understood it. But we will have a Sunday when you will be able to ask questions, and I'd like for that to be soon. I think we might... <clears throat> kind of have an idea for next week's lesson, but we'll see what the Lord has in store. But in the meantime, I want us to take a moment and exercise our biblical right in the first and great commandment to worship the one God. Shall we lift our hearts with our hands? Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being the almighty God, the provider, the answerer to all of our questions one who ministers to our needs. I thank you, dear Lord, God Almighty. And I want to hear, I want to hear that the Lord our God is one. And I thank you, Jesus. You are the great I am. You're the true and living God. You are Alpha and Omega, Holy King and Lord. You are one, you are true, no one greater than you. You're the great, the great I am. You are the great I am. You're the true and living God. You are Alpha and Omega. 
that you don't have room enough to receive and that he could do anything that we can ask of him that he could do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask all things and Amen. I thank God that tonight that we serve a mighty God that we serve a God that's not limited by our emotions or by our feelings that's but right. that can reach down to our hearts and to our lives and take us out of the pain that we're in take us out of the suffering if we need financial help he could do that here tonight this morning and at this time, we're going to take the offering. Everybody say, God bless the offering in Jesus' name. God bless the offering in Jesus' name.
Great, and that is why we. Yeah.